Thanks for joining us here at Thrive Church. We're a church passionate about moving people towards Jesus. For more information, go to our website, www.thrivechurch.co.za. Good afternoon, Five at Thrive. How are you doing? You may take your seats. Awesome to be in God's house today. Uh, as you know, we've been in a series, uh, What's In You? What's In You? And it's been such an amazing series. Um, we've had some amazing uh, messages from Pastor Byron, and I encourage you, if tonight's your first night and you um, haven't heard any of them, go online to our online streaming, uh, www.thrivechurch.coza, and have a listen to our podcasts. Um, it's such a great way that in, in the middle of the week, when our tanks are empty, uh, that we listen and get encouraged by God's Word. So I encourage you to, if you've missed any of them, uh, go online and have a listen. Uh, Pastor Byron shared such amazing sermons with us, and they've been so challenging and so uh, inspiring to me, and I hope that they have been to you too. So this question, what's in me? It's been harassing me. It's been plaguing me. And for the last two or three weeks, I've been journaling about what's in me. Now, before I read my journal entry to you about what's in me, I need to just do a little, you know, precursor here. First and foremost, I am a human. Only later, long down the line, am I a pastor. Okay, so keep that in your mind when I read you my journal entry. Because I honestly think that people put pastors on a pedestal, which they so shouldn't. Because we're just human, like everybody else, and we're trying to work out our salvation like everybody else. So here we go. This is my journal entry. God, at times I am so afraid to articulate what I feel is actually in me. And I feel a deep sense of shame and frustration that I don't sense and display way more of you in me. But to answer the question, what's in me, there's anger. To answer the question, what's in me, there's frustration. What's in me, deep disappointments. What's in me, forgiveness. What's in me, selfishness. What's not in me, peace. What's not in me, joy. What's not in me, patience. What's not in me? Kindness. Okay, so to be honest, a complete lack of the fruit of the Spirit is what I wrote. Obviously, you can tell I was having a bit of a bad day. <laughs> but it's so good to be authentic and honest with God because that's the only way He can speak into our situations. And so I wrote that. But then God spoke to me and he said, there's so much more in you than what you wrote. There's so much more in you than what you articulated. And he gave me this scripture. What's in you is the question. And he gave me this scripture, Galatians 2.20. My old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the God, in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So if I have decided to follow Christ, then what's in me is Christ. It's Christ in me. And then it's so important that I go to the Word of God to see what Christ says about himself. And there's actually so much that Christ says about himself. Uh, but I've just picked one thing to share on tonight that Christ says about himself. And it's, 
in John, we see it in John 8 and in John 9, and I'm going to read the scriptures to you. John 8, 12 says, And Jesus spoke to the people once more and said, I am the light of the world. And if you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. And again in John 9, verse 5, he says, But while I am here, notice that phrase, in the world, I am the light of the world. So Jesus says that he's the light of, your, uh, light of the world. One scripture back, he said that he's in us, which means that the light of Christ resides within us. Such a powerful thought. But not only does the light of Christ reside in us, it's one step further because Christ ascended into heaven. Uh, and after he ascended into heaven, he then said to his disciples, and now today we are his disciples, he said to them that you are the light of the world. So not only is Christ light in us, but we're the light of the world. I'm going to read Matthew 5, 14 to 16, where Jesus speaks to his disciples. And this is what he says. You are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it give, gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. Now, perhaps you've heard that scripture a thousand times before. You're the light of the world. You're the salt of the earth. You know, and, you, and you're already thinking, oh, I've heard this sermon. Let me just you know, go on to Facebook. Uh, perhaps you've uh, sung the song. You know how the song goes? You're going to sing it with me? This little light of mine. I can't hear you. I'm going to Ah, the middle's strong. This little light of mine. The spank. This little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine, let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. You guys rock. Uh, wait, wait, wait. There's an amazing second verse that when I taught music at a school, they loved the second verse. Okay. I say, hide it under a bush and you scream, oh no. Okay. You ready? Hide it under a bush. Oh, no. I'm going to let it shine. Hide it under a bush. Oh, no. I'm going to let it shine. Hide it under a bush. I'm going to let it shine, let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. Give yourselves a hand. We, we just made the biggest choir in history, I'm convinced. Uh, but because you've heard the song and you've heard the scripture, don't switch off this evening. Uh, we can learn so, so much from this text. And so the first thing I want to talk about this evening is, is if we are the light of the world, then we need to radiate Christ. If we're the light of the world, we need to radiate Christ, which means that people need to see Christ coming out of me. They need to see Christ pouring out into the world around them. And so I'm a practical person. How is that possible? How does it happen that Christ comes out of me? Well, you know, the only way that we can radiate Christ is if we start to look more like Christ. 
And the only way we can look more like Christ is if we spend more time with Him. And when we spend more time with Him, we become more like Him. And so if I've become a Christ follower, my life should be changing. And I should be looking incrementally, because it doesn't happen overnight, I'm afraid to say. We should be incrementally looking more and more like Jesus. And so if I've been a Christ follower for a year, I should look different to how I looked a year that the year that went past, and so on and so on and so on. I should look more like Christ. And when I look more like Christ, I radiate Christ. There's a German atheist philosopher. He's an atheist. And I can't pronounce his name, and it's going to come up on the screen. Uh, But this is what he said. Yeah, everybody tried. (laughs) This is what he said. If he saw more redeemed people, then he might be more inclined to believe in their Redeemer. John MacArthur says uh, that Christians who do not have changed lives have a credibility gap. We don't want to have a credibility gap. We want to have changed lives, which means we have to look more and more like Jesus, which means we need to spend more and more time with Him. You know, our actions need to reflect Christ's. Our attitudes need to reflect Christ. Our words need to reflect Christ. Our deeds need to reflect Christ. And when people see us, we should be radiating Christ. We should be the light of the world. And it's our responsibility to live lives that are transformed. It's our responsibility to get into the presence of God. Uh, It's our responsibility uh, to get Christ's light in us so that we can reflect it. You know, when I was at Bible school, I had the most amazing lecturer. His name was Dr. Corne Becker. And it didn't really matter what he taught. He could have taught eschatology in times. He could have taught the fruit of the Spirit. He could have taught Paul's words. It didn't matter. I signed up for every single one of his classes every single term. And the reason is it's not because he was a great lecturer, but he was but it was because he radiated Christ. There was something in him that every pupil uh, from first, second, and third year, they just wanted to be in his presence because he looked so much like Jesus. You know, he had compassion and he had love and he radiated Christ out of him. And the one day, Dr. Cornet, in one of his lectures, he said to us, I have to share a story with you. And he said, the one day I came out of my room And I was grumpy. And in his own words, he said, I treated my wife not so well. And my wife looked at me and she put her hand on her hip. And she said, Corne, you have not spent time with Jesus. I can see. Go to your room. (laughs) And so I was so encouraged by that scripture because I thought this man looked so much like Jesus. But his wife knew that when he spent time with Jesus, he looked better. And he radiated Christ because he had spent time with Jesus. And so I encourage us to do the same. If we, if we want to look like Christ, if we want to radiate Christ and be the light of the world, we have to live a transformed life. We have to live a life where the Spirit in, is in us, a life where Christ must increase in us and our flesh must decrease. So the closer we are to the source of light, the more we'll be able to radiate the light. The second thing I want to say is that if we hope to be the light of the world, then we need to remove the darkness. We need to remove the darkness. 
You know, a few weeks ago when we started load shedding again, Pastor Byron was in Cape Town at a minister's meeting. It was a Tuesday night, and we were scheduled for load shedding at about nine o'clock. And... Um, I was so excited. I had no husband. I had a bubble bath. I had coffee. I had everything ready for the nine o'clock candles. It was just me time. Uh, But my son, Caleb, he's six, and he was getting more and more anxious uh, as nine o'clock was approaching because he knew that we were scheduled for load shedding. And the more I wanted him to sleep, the less he wanted to sleep. Uh, because he was getting anxious. So I went into his room. I asked him what was wrong. I lit a candle for him and I then said to him, my boy, this is how much light you're going to have in your room when the lights go out. And I put a candle on and he was like, nope, that's not good enough. (laughs) So I went back to the storeroom. I got another uh, candle. I lit it. I put it closer to his bed. It was a bigger candle this time. Then I switched off all the lights again and I said to him, Caleb, are you happy now, boy? Look how much light there is. And he was like, Nope. I went back to the, the storeroom. This is now five to nine. We're about to be loaded. I found the biggest torch I could find. I put it in his hand. Uh, and then I said to him, okay, boy, I'm going to switch off all the lights. Tell me now if, you, if you're satisfied with the amount of light in your room. Switched off the lights. He put this massive torch on. Uh, and then he just grinned. And he was like, yeah, that's great. Good night, mom. <laughs> And he went to sleep before the load shedding even happened. But as I reflected on this, I realized that there's darkness all around us in this world. And we need to be removing the darkness. And the only way we can make it less scary is by shining more lights into the darkness around us. And so I know if you've watched the news or read the news lately, you'll see that we live in a dark world. Uh, You will see that, you know, there's murders and rapes and racism and fascism and uh, financial fears everywhere. There's this new uh, full-term abortion law that they're trying to pass and uh, they're trying to build walls for more separation and more segregation. And the world is a dark place. And as Christ followers, we have a choice. We have a choice to join and be conformed to this world and to join the darkness, or we get to shine our lights into that darkness. And it's a choice that we have. You know, we, the scripture says that we, can be, we mustn't be conformed to the pattern of this world, but we must be transformed by the renewing of our minds. And so we don't want to join the darkness that is around us. We're supposed to be different. We're supposed to be the light. And the only way we can be the light is if we've been in the presence of the light. And I just want to take a short left here and talk into our church attendance. You know, our stats tell us that people are attending church once a month or once every six weeks. And now I ask you, How is it possible that the light of Christ can radiate out of you if you don't even have the light of Christ in you to give? And so I encourage you, as I've encouraged people weekly, put church in your calendar in ink. In ink, not in pencil. When, oh, well, you know, something better came up, just a bit more beauty sleep, and you erase church out of your calendar. We have four services, including our Edenvale campus, four services. I am sure that one and a half hours of your time, you can give to give being in the presence of God. And so we need to put 
church in our calendars in ink, because when we put church in our calendars in ink, Christ becomes more, uh, fills our lives more, and we can radiate more into the darkness around us. And so we're called to be countercultural, completely different to the world around us. And here's how we do that every day. We're called to love our enemies. We're called to do good to those who hate us, to bless those who persecute us, to pray for those who mistreat us, to turn the other cheek when someone harms us, to be honest, to speak the truth in love, to not use bad language, to not get drunk, to place others ahead of ourselves. Imagine we did that, Uh, you know, uh, to live sexually pure lives and not to sleep with our boyfriends and girlfriends until after we are married, to live debt-free, besides from our cars, uh, aside from our car and our house, obviously, uh, to tithe, to give generously to those in need, to serve, to place church in our calendars and ink, to be inclusive, uh, to do life in the context of community, uh, to read our Bibles, to pray, to love, to lay down our lives for others, and to fight for justice wherever we, we need to. We need to live completely countercultural lives because when we do that, when we live opposite to the culture around us, we will be shining our lights into the darkness. And imagine if together every Christ follower shine, shone their lights into the darkness. How different our worlds would be. The third thing I want to talk about today is uh, if we're the light of the world, then we need to be visible to all. And believe it or not, I am an introverted person. This is not really where I feel the most comfortable on a stage. Way more comfortable down there. Uh, And when I was in school, my maiden uh, surname was Leisha, which was particularly awkward because nobody could say it and nobody could pronounce it. And, you know, every time I got into a new environment with a new teacher or when they called me up onto stage, it would be Candice Leicha. Candace, Licha, Licha, Lisha, Licha. And then they would stop, which is every teenager's worst nightmare. And they would say, how do you say your name? And by that time, you know, everybody's eyes are looking at you. And you just, you just want to crawl up, you know, and disappear into a hole. And so all my life I prayed for a simpler and a better... <laughs> A simpler and a better surname. For those of you who are new, just to put you in the picture, my surname is Chicken. So God heard one, one of the parts, you know, the simpler parts. Not the better. Like maybe I should have started with better and simpler. Maybe, you know. But anyway, my worst experience is going into the Medicross where there's 10 or 12 doctors uh, that have 10 or, or patients and the waiting rooms are full of patients. And I know what's about to happen. And so firstly, we don't go unless we're really sick. My, you, know, <laughs> you know, my children are like, mom, I'm really sick. I'm like, no, you're not. You're definitely not. <laughs> okay, but we go and I know what's about to happen at some terrible point while I am in that waiting room. Someone is going to call, Mrs. Chicken! (laughs) The doctor will see you now. (laughs) And Okay, I've tried everything. Okay, I have tried everything to avoid that awkward moment. 
I have tried sitting right outside the doctor's door, okay? So that when they call my name, I'll just be there waiting. But then what happens is they call my name and I'm not present in the waiting room and then they cancel my appointment. I've tried um, waving from my chair. I'd sit in my chair, they call Mrs. Chicken and I'm like, (laughs) but no, to no avail. Then they call again because they can't see my wave and I haven't stood. Okay, I'm a bit of a shame to say this because I'm probably the worst mom in the world. But another thing I do on occasion is when they call Mrs. Chicken, I send my children first. <laughs> I say, go guys, the doctor will see you. <laughs> and I let them walk like about, you know, a meter or two ahead of me and then, and then I get up. I've even tried, I have even tried to say to the kind receptionist, please, when you call my name, could you just use my first name? Please, I'm begging you. Uh, But to no avail. At some point, there's always, Mrs. Chicken! (laughs) And every eye, every eye of the waiting room that's overcrowded pierces my back of my head as I walk the long, sick walk of shame (laughs) to the doctor. And at that moment, in that moment, I feel like a city on a hill. And and this brings me to the text, which I want to read uh, about how uh, we should should be visible to all. Uh, Matthew 5 says this, You are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. We, we are called to be cities on hills. People are meant to be drawn to our light. We, we can't help but being noticed because we're up there and our lights are shining and people are drawn to our lights. We're supposed to be visible to all. People should say of you, there's just something different about this person. I can't put my finger on it, but they radiate, there's something different and I'm drawn to them. Uh, They're kind and they're compassionate and they're filled with hope and they're not filled with negativity. And, And can you believe it? This guy in work, he's the only one who's faithful to his wife. You know, he's generous to those in need and he's hospitable and he's helpful and he's kind and he's loving. They should say there's something different, but I just can't put my finger on it. You know, about 12 years ago now, there was a girl on a Good Friday service who came into the back and I'll never forget it. She was sitting right at the back, right on the side. uh, And she came in a broken and confused young girl who was high on drugs and in this meeting at Good Friday. And she came in and she wept the entire Good Friday service because the presence of God was here and the presence of God met her. And at the end of the service, when she had an opportunity to respond, uh, she put her hand up and she responded uh, to what she'd heard here and she gave her life to Christ. And from that day, she was, Christ in her was visible to all. 
And she went home and she was a changed person. You know, and she worked with the pastors in the church and uh, she plugged into community and she did all of the things that she needed to do to grow and to become more like Christ. And uh, she recovered from her addiction and she just radiated Christ. And after her three years of, of being here, she then went overseas to study uh, at a university abroad. And after three years of being there, she came back, but she came back to visit us. And she came back with her mom. And her mom came, and all the mom came to do that day was to thank us, to say, oh, thank you for what you did for my daughter. And now we know as the pastors, it wasn't us. You know, we just provide an environment, but God does the work. Uh, and so we, she came to thank us and to say, you will never believe the change that occurred in my daughter's life. And from that Good Friday, from that Easter weekend, she was a changed and a different person. And so in that service, the service that the mom just came to say thank you, she responded, the mom, to to the altar call that day, and she gave her life to Christ, and she committed to being a Christ follower. Three months later, she got baptized, and I was sending her daughter, who had moved back overseas again, pictures of her mom's baptism service. Uh, and ever since then, it's been six years, this mom serves faithfully in this place. <laughs> yeah, let's give God a hand for that. I want to say that I believe that mom seeing the change in her daughter's life is what attracted her. Her daughter had become a city on a, a hill. Her daughter had radiated Christ and she was attracted to Christ in her. And that is what made her heart soft because she wanted to experience the same thing. Never underestimate Christ's work in us because it's attractional. Never underestimate Christ's light in us because it's attractional. That scripture that I just read, it says that they would place a lamp on a lampstand. There's going to be a picture of a lamp uh, that's going to come up here. Thanks, guys. Uh, this was the lamp that they used in those days. It's a clay lamp. In the lamp, they would put oil. And at the spout, you'll see where the light is, they would put a wick uh, or they would put you know, a bit of like cotton or something to light it. And this lamp actually produces only a very little bit of light. But what the scripture says is what they would do is that they would place this lamp on a stand uh, in their houses and it would be enough light to light up the whole entire house. And today, church, I want to say that that should be us. We should not be putting our little lights like on the floor. We should be putting them on a stand so that the world can see that we are his demonstration of light. So the question I have is, do our bosses know that we're Christ followers? Do our colleagues know that we follow Christ? Do our friends at university and in school know that we are Christ followers? Do our distant family members see the light of Christ in us? And do we talk about Christ with our children daily? You know, I honestly believe in, in this world where we've become so tolerant of religion and everybody can believe what everybody believes, that Christians have become afraid to share who they are. They've been afraid to share their faith. 
And why should we be? Just like everybody's allowed to express their religion, so should we. And I'm not saying go into your church, take your Bible, uh, go into your workplace, take your Bible and smack somebody over the head. That's not what I'm saying. Share your changed life story with them. Share what Christ has done in you because nobody can argue with your story. Nobody can argue with your changed life. It's just you telling them about your changed life. I have so many people here uh, at church saying, oh, I love these invites. You'll see they're on your chair. I love these invites because I give them to car guards and I give them to waiters uh, and I give them to petrol attendants. And I said, it's really, really awesome uh, because everybody needs Christ. But then I asked the next question, do you give them to your boss? Do you give them to your friends? Do you give them to your book club? Do you give them to the moms in the parking lot at your kid's school? Because I've realized that there are some people we are ashamed to share our faith with. And there's some people we feel confident to share our faith with. And we shouldn't be. We should share with everybody equally because we are are lights that need to be put on a stand that shine to everybody. And we shouldn't discriminate who we want to share our faith with and who we don't want to share our faith with. So this week, take this invite with you and ask God for an opportunity to ask someone. We should not be ashamed of our faith, but proud of our faith. The fourth thing I want to say today is that if we are the light of the world, then we should generate other Christ followers. Matthew 5.16 says that in the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. The word I wanna talk about in that sentence is let. We need to allow good deeds to flow from our lives. You know, I often have a thought like, oh, maybe I should go buy some bread loaves today and put them in my car and then hand those out as I drive along. Or I should send that person flowers. You know, they're having a really bad day. Or I should go visit this person in hospital. And then the next thought that comes to mind is, oh, I don't have enough time. Or, oh, you know, that's going to cost me a lot of money. Or, ah, oh. and so I... I stop the great thought that I have because, and I don't allow myself to do the good deeds. But the scripture says, let good deeds flow from your life. Why? Why? So that others can see your good deeds and glorify God. See your good deeds and give praise to God. Not see your good deeds and give praise to you. See your good deeds and give praise to God. So if I'm a Christ follower, I do good deeds not so people can see me, not so that I can be recognized, not so that I can be thought well of, and not so that I can have that warm, fuzzy feeling at the end, but rather that it would point people towards Jesus, but rather that it would move people towards Jesus. And so we should be letting ourselves do good deeds privately, but we should also as a church be doing good deeds. And I'm going to run through a list of good deeds that we're doing here at Thrive Church. And if there's anyone that you want to find out more about, go to the info desk after the service, put your name down, say, hey, I want to find out about, uh, find out about the Shine Literacy Program or, or whatever it is, and someone will contact you. It's not signing up, it's just to find out more. Uh, and so here are a couple of the good deeds that we do. 
uh, we've just launched, launched a Shine Literacy Program where we're helping grade twos uh, to read. We have amazing volunteers who volunteer uh, two, uh, like two hours of their time a week. We have Project Impact where we tutor grade 10s and 11s and we mentor grade 12s. It's a great program. Tutoring, in, tutoring takes place in, in English and maths and uh, science. And so if you're good at those, volunteer some of your time. Just this week, I want to thank the amazing ladies at Thrive Church. We handed out uh, all the sanitary products that we collected uh, to the under-resourced schools. Uh, and we handed out to three different schools. That's how much we uh, collected. So give yourselves a hand. There's another group of wonderful people who come monthly and they pack food parcels on a monthly basis for those in our church who might be in hard times. Uh, we're training pastors in Zambia. We've planted a church in Mozambique, and we hope to uh, extend the kids' church there. We have a group of guys who serve the city, and these group of guys go into the city. They're the heart and the hands. They serve the poor. They feed the homeless, and they uplift the environment that they find themselves in. Uh, we've sunk about six water wells in, uh, in Zambia, and water in a community provides life. And so we use the amazing finances from you amazing people who tithe regularly. Uh, to, to do that and to uh, sink water wells there. And we're going to be launching a brand new initiative in Cafe Connect called Leave a Legacy. And, and when, you get, when you buy your pizza and when you buy your freezer after the service, uh, it hasn't yet launched, but watch this space. Somebody at the till is going to ask you, hey, do you want to leave a legacy? And you're going to give, I think it's two rand or five rand uh, towards whatever the project is of that month. And as soon as we reach the target, say it's to sink a water well, then we'll leave a legacy for something else. And we're going to collect finances to go towards special uh, projects. So that's coming soon. And another thing that we do is a lady in Edenvale, she runs a ministry called Cherished. She's in our Edenvale campus. And Cherished goes into brothels uh, and, you know, places where ladies are ill repute, <laughs> they're, they're sex workers. And, you know, guys, we can't sit here, like, judging. Because we don't know what led a person to get into that circumstance. And so we have an amazing group of ladies. They go out and they spend time. And they spend time with these ladies, ministering life and giving them gifts and telling them about their value. And they do this on a Friday and Saturday night, and they go and spend time with them, uh, and, and they point them towards Jesus, and their good deeds point them towards Jesus. And you know, um, one of those ladies who they ministered to, she came to church a few weeks ago, and in the service, the presence of God touched her mightily. And she decided to start a brand new life, and she ran, literally ran, spontaneously to be baptized in the service. And I want to say, because of this great ministry, about 15 ladies have changed their lifestyle because somebody reached out to them, this ministry, somebody... Somebody told them uh, that they, they had more value and more worth than what, what, what the lifestyle that they were in. And so their good deeds pointed them to Christ. Their good deeds pointed them to Christ. So what are the two main things that stop us for, from being the light of the world? Well, firstly, our sin. Our own sin stops us from being the light of the world. And so it's so simple, church. We just need to repent. 
We just need to say, God, forgive me for my sin. The second thing is that our belief that we're not good enough. And I want to say that this is a trap of Satan. And you will see it in my own journal entry. Uh, you know, I, you, oh, God, I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough. Because of Christ in you, you are good enough. Because of Christ in you, you are the light of the world. And so we mustn't believe the lie from the devil. Galatians 2.20 says that my old life has passed away. My old self is gone. I'm new. Matthew 5.14 says that you are the light of the world. Not that you will be. Not that you might be. Not that you're becoming. But that you are. Present continual tense. You are currently the light in this world. Is what the scripture says. And so here are a few application questions for us this evening. On number one, if I'm the light of the world, I should be radiating Christ. How is your being with Jesus? Guys, this is between you and God, and you can answer authentically and honestly. How are you being with Jesus? Perhaps you need to wake up a little bit earlier in the morning and spend some time not just reading your Bible, but reading your Bible and then asking God to search your heart and to know you and to, to reveal anything in you that might be offensive to Him. Ask Him to speak into your life. The second thing is if we're the light of the, the world, uh, we need to remove darkness. And, and the question I have here, the application question and is, is your lifestyle removing darkness or are you adding to the darkness in this world? You know, we have a choice. Is our lifestyle removing darkness? Are we living counterculturally? Then the third point, our light is visible to all. Are we making Christ visible to all? Are we telling everyone in our world about Christ? Everyone we come into contact with, do they know that we are different? Number four, does our good works or do our good works generate disciples and make Christ famous? Do our works make Christ famous? Do they point towards Jesus? I want to say today, church, that Everything starts with Jesus and it ends with Jesus. Us being the light of the world, it starts with Jesus. And guess what? Us doing our good, good deeds points to Jesus and draws people to Jesus. Everything starts and ends with Jesus. The story goes of how Mother Teresa was speaking to other nuns from all over the world. After her talk, Mother Teresa asked, are there any questions? A sister from a North American order said, yes, I have a question. As you know, she said, most of the orders represented here are losing members. Uh, it seems that more and more women are leaving all the time. And yet your order, mother, uh, is attracting thousands upon thousands. What do you do? Mother Teresa said, I give them Jesus. Yes, I know, said the woman, but take habits, and that's the outfit that they wear. Do the women object to wearing habits? And the rules of your order, how do you do it? Mother Teresa answered again, I give them Jesus. Yes, I know, mother, said the woman, but can you be a little bit more specific? Mother Teresa replied again. She repeated, I give them Jesus. Mother, said the woman, we, all of us, are aware of your fine work. I want to know something else. 
This time, Mother Teresa said sternly, I give them Jesus because there is nothing else. Everything starts and ends with Jesus. Christ in us is all about Jesus in us. Us being the light of the world is Jesus in us. I want to read Matthew 5, 14 to 16 in the message, and it says this. Here's another way to put it. You're here to be light, bringing out the God colors in the world. God is not a secret to be kept. We're going public with this, as public as a city on a hill. If I make you light bearers, you don't think I'm going to hide you under a bucket, do you? I'm putting you on a light stand. Now, that I've put you there on a hilltop, on a light stand, shine. Keep open house, be generous with your lives by opening up to others. You'll prompt people to open up with God, this generous Father in heaven. This message was recorded live at Thrive Church. We hope that it inspired you to move towards Jesus.